Hello, and welcome to Pacific Roots Magazine podcast. All right, here we are for episode seven of Pacific Roots Magazine podcast, meeting with the ladies of Lancaster Farm Sanctuary in Pennsylvania, Jonina and Sarah. Do I pronounce, am I pronouncing your names right? Jonina. Jonina and Sarah, thank you. Okay, wonderful. I'm so happy to see you guys. Yeah, likewise. So nice to see you. I've been really looking forward to this talk. Um, I just want to start off and say that your your media and what you guys are doing, I'm. It's almost going to bring tears to my eyes, and we haven't even started talking, but it's tremendous. It's truly, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's truly incredible. So um, we feel the same about yours. Thank you so much. Thank well, thank you. you so for, good to meet you. Yes, you as well. Oh God, we're starting. <laughs> 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 Emotional note. It's uh, for anybody listening, and especially um, to meet you both for the first time face-to-face. I have only been to one sanctuary in my life. And whenever I'm next in Pennsylvania, you have a volunteer stopping by. (laughs) So just A, for you to both be doing what you're doing and creating sanctuary space, but then also this extraordinary media that you're constantly creating on a daily basis. I'm just like, wow, you know, tears in my eyes just, my heart lifted. I have hope just watching what you're doing and um, looking forward to everything you're going to do, you know, books you're going to maybe write, <laughs> maybe a sanctuary manual, how to, how to run a sanctuary and just learning more about your expansion, just everything. The way you guys put it all together is, is truly extraordinary. So kind of you to say, thank you. Yeah, we, uh, we think of it as um, sadhana, you know, we've been following, you have a beautiful spiritual practice as well. And we think of this work, the sanctuary work as sort of a daily sacred um, space holding and space keeping and we're very, very dedicated to it. Like you are, loved sharing that with you and, and being in that together. <laughs> Great. Well, I have, as you know, I have a list of questions here. Um, when I publish this, I will link to um, the first interview um, I did with you guys two months ago that's published at Pacific Roots Magazine. You have media, I'm sure you've done a lot of great interviews and podcast talks and many, many more to come because you guys are planning expansion. Yes. Of the sanctuary, right? (laughs) Yes. And again, you are executive director of the sanctuary? Yeah, correct. So we're obviously the co-founders, you know, we founded it, started it together. and really, we were both working uh, full time. We have another business, which is a yoga studio. Um, and it just got to a point where it was um, not manageable with us both having full time jobs. So a couple months ago, I left my job. Um, I was a mental health therapist and then stepped into the role of you know, executive director here, which just means kind of more of the same of what we were doing, but just having more time, you know, to do it. So, um, but it's been really great. Actually, we've seen um, growth and exposure, um, definitely some growth in fundraising. We're doing a lot more events, which is, I don't want to get too much into what we're going to talk about later, but um, it's just been, it's been really good to not have to feel so tapped out and I have the energy to, you know, do the things that we really want to do and, and what's important to us. So 
Yeah, I can imagine it's because it's all hands on deck and you have quite a, quite a few animals there. So yes. yeah, I would really wonder how you would do it um, with full-time jobs. So that's really amazing. Yeah, um, we don't know. How, we're like, how did we ever do this? How did you ever do that? Yeah. <laughs> so what is like, I, there is no typical day, is there? There isn't, right? It's funny. I read, um, it was some, some other person from a sanctuary um, had written, it's like the most routine and yet most unpredictable <laughs> day, you know? It's like, you have to do the same things every day. Everything right. needs to be clean. Everybody needs to be fed. Everybody needs checkups, you know? Some of them need, you know, cleaning, like not of the stalls, but like, you know, yesterday I spent an hour cleaning the little pot pigs, their faces, because of the skin folds, they get bacterial infections. So, mm -hmm. you know, washing their faces <laughs> with the warm water cloth, um, all that kind of stuff. But then it's like we didn't predict to take in this little calf, right? So anything we might have thought last week about what this week was going to look like has totally changed. And it's almost become this joke, like, we um, were like, you know, we're going to spend Valentine's together. <laughs> and uh, we're, you know, Jonina took the day off of work and we're like, we'll go to Philly. Maybe we'll see the symphony, you know, and we set up help. And then the volunteers were like, let's guess you guys aren't going <laughs> to go away tomorrow. And we're like, correct. We're not going anywhere. So, um, so that's just, that's how it is. You know, you just kind of roll with that and know that, um, you know, it's like best laid plans, things just change constantly. So, right. um, and we'll, we'll talk a little more about that. I think when we talk about the, the joys and also the, the heartache of, of uh, running a sanctuary. So yeah, that's really important to know the, the realistic nature of it. I think for people listening who, who do run sanctuaries, of course you, within your circles, you can have really deep conversations about that but then for people who are like wow if I had some land someday maybe I want to start a micro sanctuary or start a sanctuary but I do uh you mentioned the calf you bought in uh moksha is that how moksha. I if you don't mind everybody you have there is adorable <laughs> my, my heart is just exploding over moksha so could yeah. you share a little bit yeah about her as well Sure. Oh, now I'm going to cry. So Moksha, um, <laughs> we, it just all came together. We have um, two older dairy cows. One of them is the mother, one the daughter. So uh, we always knew we wanted them to have an expanded herd, maybe a, a third um, cow to come in to, uh, to their herd. But we needed him or her to be the, you know, the right fit for an arthritic older mama cow. So Moksha, um, is young enough that we can sort of start uh, carefully um, working with boundaries and have it be a safe transition then for our true heart, our older cow, just the right time of year. We're in the right place. We have an executive director now. Um, so we finally got to say yes. We get asked about baby calves all the time and have had to say no so many times, but all the factors came together where we could give Moksha home. So Moksha was born um, a few weeks ago. She uh, was born on a dairy farm uh, as a twin with a male brother, and that's called a free martin, and it means that she's very likely sterile and therefore useless to the dairy industry. So the, her brother went into uh, to the veal industry, you know, is currently engaged, um, wait, awaiting a very, very premature death to be veal. 
but a female dairy cow who was not going to make milk was useless. She was being sold for $2 American dollars for, to make dog food. Um, and one of the, someone, um, said, yeah. no, she's not. And, and, uh, paid the $2 and brought her. That person thought she had a farm where she could go, but that person said, no, cows are dumb. I don't want a cow. So then she didn't have anywhere to take her. And soon thereafter her neighbor contacted us. So, yeah, she actually, so the girl took, um, the cow, this little calf moksha back to her grandparents and said, I don't know what else to do with her. And the grandparents were actually keeping her in their kitchen. They live like in a town. I mean, they're in a home in a town. Like when we pulled up, we were like, this can't be right. I thought I had the address wrong or something. Right. Um, but the neighbor, you know, when the, when the grandfather told the neighbor, we have a cow living in our kitchen, you know, he said, well, at least I, I can keep her in my garage for now. So they moved her over to the garage, but and they really loved her. You could tell they were crying, you know, and, and upset, um, but so happy that she was coming to us. So, um, and we're so, so happy to have her here. And we had just, um, we have a friend, he's a contractor and he had um, built this whole new enclosure for us in the barn. And it was just, it just kind of all came together. Like we had this new area that had just been built. Nobody was living in there. And then, you know, this opportunity to uh, rescue this little calf. So, and she's just totally wild <laughs> and, and awesome. She's so happy. I saw her and, little skip in one of the videos. She's so adorable. Oh my yeah. God, I want to fly over there right now. And her. Yeah, we were joking. We're like, wow, we have so many friends. Suddenly everybody this week is like, hey, what are you doing? Like, do you want to hang out? Can we come over? And it's like, oh, gee, wonder what that's all You're about. So popular. So popular. So popular. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, yes, come on. Come on over <laughs> for a visit. I just so. want to come hang out with her. You guys too. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I do want to ask, and this is sad, I have a feeling this is going to be sad as well, but you do get a lot of inquiries about calves and you're just not able to, is it mostly a space issue? There's oh a yeah, it's a space issue. And yeah. our, our pasture is small um, for the cows and the, the two cows that we have now are very sedentary. So one is arthritic the mom so she really does not move around and then her daughter I mean they're both older um just hangs out with the mom so they basically just lay in one spot and, right. and that's their day so um but we are trying to buy a bigger um property and hopefully that happens soon we would love to see it happen like this spring um and then they could all have more space and then we could you know rescue some more but definitely a space issue um, and it's, uh, you know, people, somebody kind of chastised us a little on social media about, well, why do you take some and you don't take others? And she had asked us if we could take in two calves a while ago. And I said to us, you know, there's a big difference between two and one. Like we couldn't have taken on two more calves. We can take on this one calf, you know, so, um, but it's, it, it is really hard. Calves, we get... It, asked about occasionally, but we get really asked a lot about uh, pot-bellied pigs, um, roosters, 
male ducks, you know, a lot of male birds, nobody, nobody wants them, right? Because they don't, especially roosters, they don't lay eggs, right? So what's their purpose? So it's so hard to say no, you know. Um, but even if we had, even if we had 500 acres, you know, you get to a, a point where you're still going to have to say no eventually. And um, we've talked to a lot of our friends that have bigger sanctuaries, like farm sanctuary in Woodstock and you know, they, they really have communicated that, like, be careful about how big you try to get, you know, and what you try to do, because sometimes um, it just gets overwhelming, and, and you still can't save everybody, so right. I'm, I'm more aware of that, so that's where the advocacy and education piece comes in, and that's why that's so important to us, because otherwise you're just treading water trying to save animals and you're not really it's the system that's the problem right, right. and that's right. what we need to work on changing so that's that's primarily what we're up to well if you don't mind i want to read a quote from the interview that we did two months ago and this is on the website i'll link to it but um you wrote uh, we do envision our function in the future as a continued and larger animal rescue organization but also a center for education and advocacy to solve the root issues. And then also you, you mentioned the vegan, veganic farming program, which of course, you know, I'm excited to hear about too, and zero waste practice and uh, bringing in the yoga and wellness program as well. So this is just, it's like, sounds like heaven, but it's also hard work, <laughs> heaven and hard work. Um, but I would love to hear more about that too, the, the um, education and advocacy you already do, and then also the plans to, to be more of a center for that as well. Yeah, so um, absolutely, you said it, heaven on earth. We kind of think of it um, as sort of the Garden of Eden, if you will, not to get biblical in any way, <laughs> but um, like, wh why not have, uh, uh, to borrow some other language, um, plant-based, community-oriented agriculture, um, kind of a very full circle, kind of permaculture, but including humans thriving as well, kind of... Um, Center. So as a role model here in Lancaster, we have a very long history of um, farming using cover crops or green manure. So that's been done here for long periods of time. And then only now that the industrial agricultural component has come into play do we have mechanized, you know, massive monocultured fields. We've, people who, whose families are from around here over many generations have been horrified to see the industrial agricultural um, component come in. So when you drive along the road now, you see these monocropped corn tunnels and it, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to see the rolling hills that are patches of green, but some of us are like horrified at what that's doing to soil health and the lack of biodiversity that we've sort of just fallen into for, for money. So we wanna, we wanna go back to our roots. We wanna go back to the soil. We wanna go back to how humans and animals can be together, and yet the food system itself cannot be exploitative of the animals, and humans can thrive. And there's this common misconception with, um, uh, I think when people hear about vegan food, they sometimes presume the worst. They think, oh, it's just gonna be monocropped soil, making fake processed, ultra processed vegan patties, you know, burgers, um, and we're like, hey, no, it's just growing food the way our ancestors would have. You know, the, the native cultures here in Pennsylvania before European settlers came, they were growing food using cover crops. They called them the three sisters. Beans, soy, and squash would be planted and rotated in between annual crops that they would be eating. So 
it's, it's old stuff that now I love this new term for it. I love that we're calling it veganic, even though it's the way my grandparents gardened, exactly. um, because it brings in the animal liberation movement. And so not, nothing against Beyond Burgers and all that. We're so thrilled to have that disruption. We're so thrilled to have the cultural mainstream attention turning towards alternatives um, to animals' bodies. Um, but we also just want to keep our eyes for us kind of like eyes on the prize is like, what is the ideal food system? It's, it's way more slow grown, community oriented, the yoga and wellness piece. I mean, we're gonna have so much extra land and time on our hands. Why not do more <laughs> yoga and have more fun, more art? We just think there's so much more rich human creative potential that we can have all that extra literally space, time and energy if we you know, cut out the middleman, so to speak. I hate to make them seem a part of it but animals in the middle of our food and then our bodies that's that's hurting all of us we want to get back to that healthier circle where they fit in in a rewilded space or we have animals on sanctuary but um ruminants don't need to be they don't need to be eradicated from a healthy system they could be on the farm as sanct beloved sanctuary residents or back into a rewilded space where cows get to roam kind of like in a sanctuary that humans don't mess with as much Long answer, but we have a dream. We've got a vision. <laughs> I, well, I love it. And um, <laughs> I'm going to love watching it develop because I, I think it's it's so incredible the way you both present things and, and the reality for those of us immersed in the movement, things are just now second nature or common sense, but there's many people looking like, well, I don't get what's going on and what is this all about? And it's so helpful to be able to go somewhere have a delicious plant-based meal, hear somebody talking about it and meet animals in a different context. Yeah. That is priceless. Yeah. Yes. And it's transformative for a lot of people, you know, and we've seen that. So, um, and that's just, I mean, that's the best, one of the best parts about this is, you know, people who say they would never, you know, stop eating meat or they'll never change. And then they come here and they meet a few of the residents. <laughs> and, and a big, 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 big part of it, which um, is something that I didn't anticipate or I didn't even think about was just the community that has built up around this place through the volunteers and people who come to events they all get to know each other. They start hanging out outside of here. They support each other in their um, veganism. And then it's like, oh, this isn't so daunting after all, right? There's this whole big group of people that are doing this and are supporting each other. And it's funny because I, my history is drug and alcohol, um, you know, rehabilitation. That's, that's my focus as a therapist. And it very much is like, recovery from drug, drug and alcohol, like you need a support group, right, to make these changes. It's, it's very low rates of success if you're trying to do it on your own. And that's kind of the thing with, with the veganism too, I think, is you have other people that are doing it. And, uh, you know, it's, it goes from like horrible to like fun and exciting, right? So yeah, it's pretty cool to, to see that. And so we, we're going to start having some just like free open potlucks maybe once a month, um, like support group, <laughs> you know, sort of thing where people can just talk to each other and meet each other. Um, oh, 
I'm gonna have to move to Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, Good plan. Well, really, I just mentioned this to um, another uh, friend of mine the other day that I, I would love a support group sometimes to just talk yeah. out issues, to talk out advocacy and so forth. But you do, so that that's, that would be so cool. Um, but you also do events. Could you, I remember looking through some of your pictures. I love, there's one of the two of you, I think in the barn. I love it. The twinkly lights are in the background. You get, you get a little, you get a little, sense of the atmosphere there it's really nice yeah. so can you share more about the events sure well when um when we found this property we always say we it w didn't have quite as many acres for pasture as we had hoped but it had that barn we have this amazing <laughs> barn and right away we walked into that level where you saw that picture and we said we can have a dinner event here so we've been so blessed sarah's best friend is one of the greatest caterers in the universe so she <laughs> Um, gifted us the first year or two, helped us um, start having fundraiser dinners, and they've been a huge success. We sell out of everyone, and people come and have unbelievably delicious plant-based foods, very much locally grown, and have a great time. And we we did. We strung up those twinkly lights, and you, you know, some some of the dinners were on cold nights, and we had big heaters, and we had some in the summer, um, and it's just been a blast. And talk about like people having a transformative experience, like someone who might be vegan brings their partner for this cool, you know, experience of a dinner in a barn. And it was delicious. And on their way in, they met Patrick Sheep and good luck wanting to eat lamb again after meeting Patrick Sheep. So it was kind of the dream come true for us as the events. And that's, that's like Sarah was saying, the community and um, it kind of brings people in for an interface uh, with a community that gets bigger and bigger, the more time they spend here. Yeah. Same with like yoga and, um, we have our main events, I'd say, are those fundraiser dinners in the barn. We have lecturers. We've had some great speakers come and again in the barn, maybe with a little less food. Um, there's a speaker. We have yoga classes, um, tours, regular tours. I'd say those are our main events right now. And we're in we're we're in the process of planning our first gala, so that's going to be yeah. We just got we we're we're not going to do it here. We just felt like it was that's a lot of traffic and a lot of hoopla for the animals. So we secured a nice um, offsite uh, space just yesterday. So April seventeenth, we're gonna have a gala and, and we're really I'm so, I'm so excited about it so um, our same uh, friend her business is called Scarlet Runners so she's going to do all the food everything obviously will be plant-based and we're going to um, you know have like auctions and it's just you know the other thing is is like it, it's just been amazing like I've asked you know, so far, just maybe a dozen or so people in the, in the community that have businesses, like, would you be willing to donate? And so far, I'm sure this will change, but so far, every single person has said yes. You know, and people are like really enthusiastic about that. And that feels like, you know, sometimes it's like, we're doing this thing that is so radical for our area because we are literally surrounded by animal agriculture. Um, and to feel so supported in that way too is very, very, very encouraging. And quite frankly, it's been a little surprising, <laughs> you know? And um, so that, I think that's really indicative of something positive too, just like the momentum of, of this change that's like happening. We see it right all over the place. Yeah. So um, it's very exciting. But yeah, we're, I'm like, I'm really like, 
thrilled to be. I didn't know I was so into like party playing, <laughs> you know? but, but it's for you know it's for the cause of the sanctuary, and it's it. I think it'll bring in a whole different um, group of people and expose them to something that maybe they haven't been exposed to before. So, and that's the idea, right? Like, how can we just bring people to this conversation in a way that maybe is fun and exciting, right? And you know, not like showing slaughterhouse footage, right? right. So there's, there's a time and place for everything, but mm -hmm. yeah, so we're, we're, we're psyched about that. I am anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. What do you mean you didn't know you like throwing parties? I'm pretty sure you've always been good at that. Uh, it's, yeah. Event planning is fun, but I can only imagine when you're event planning also with this mission in mind and for the animals and for expansion and for sanctuary space. And I like how you say it's transformative because yeah, your galas, all your events are transformative for people that are there, for you yeah. as sanctuary yeah. owners, and for all your animals and future yeah. animals. It's, yeah. the impact is like ripples, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But so also, let's get back to that, what we mentioned earlier, the joys and challenges of sanctuary life. Get to some real talk about what some of us who have maybe only visited a sanctuary some people have never even visited one some of the real real difficult stuff too you know to be aware of um in running a sanctuary that we might not even think about just watching your media and so forth sure um yeah we were talking about this before we knew you were going to ask us that um the hardest thing for us is saying no when we have to say no to an animal um that's just the absolute worst. And then um, the other really awful thing is we've had this only happen once so far, but you kind of get a sense of what's what this entails. But to have to make decisions, we recently had to um, decide to euthanize Stanley, one of our uh, residents here. And that was, um, like I said, I'm in my late 30s now. And I said to someone the other day, I was like, I've always felt like a kid, you know, kind of straight masquerading as an adult like I don't know it just has stayed that way for me despite what I've been doing but when we were in the position to make the decision to end Stanley's life that felt like oh now I feel like an adult like I don't know it was just this immediate like soul crushing experience that, <laughs> that I had to like come as a new I didn't I don't know it was just the hardest and worst yeah I mean absolutely you know that's it so there's no there's no right answer, you know, and um, we're like doing all this research and we turn to other sanctuaries and their policies and we, we love the, the resource. If anybody's listening to this, I'm sure they know about it, but Open Sanctuary Project is just um, really a tremendous, tremendous resource for anybody doing this work. Um, you know, and, and I'm like reading their policy and, and basically, you know, it's like you want an answer. You want somebody to tell you <laughs> what to do in a situation like that and, and nobody can, right? We're all just trying to do the best we can, but it was just an absolute nightmare and continues to be just uh, so sad for us. Um, so, and that's gonna continue, right? That is part of this work. Um, uh, we've had a couple other deaths here, um, but they, all happened um, just organically and in this situation he stopped being able to walk, stopped being able to stand, he couldn't maneuver his wheelchair anymore, he just hung there and uh, he was increasingly frustrated and depressed and 
um, it was no quality of life. So we did what we thought was the right thing. Um, the other thing we talked about is um, this, you know, the reality is we have spent our entire life savings, <laughs> you know, um, now we're, we're um, doing good at keeping our personal finances out of, out of it, kind of. We still pay the mortgage, of course, but going into this, I had just, somebody had mentioned to us, they were worried about us having a heat lamp in the barn for the calf. And I said, oh, you know, well, we got the whole barn rewired. It cost over 10 grand, you know, but we paid for that out of pocket. The sanctuary didn't pay for that. And just all these things that we've done to just get ready um, to do this. Um, so the, just the financial burden and the, and the free time, like the, the lack of free time we like to, I used to love to travel. Right. So we, that's, we're not traveling. Right. <laughs> we're probably not going to be traveling anytime soon. Right. Uh, so, but that's okay. Right. We knew, we knew that coming into this, um, but it's definitely an adjustment. So you, there's no day off, right. You don't like, work for the weekend and then you get there and like there is none of that it's every it's every day every day every day and it's you're up early you 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 know stay up late when somebody new comes we don't sleep you know um we're just worried or going out and checking on <laughs> so that's just kind of how it is you know it's probably like having a newborn baby like all the time yeah i imagine that but it's interesting to hear and i do want to say about stanley um he was so lucky to have you you know what a gift you were for him yeah we were so lucky to have him yeah, yeah. that's what we feel like so um but yeah that's it i mean it doesn't get much worse than that so um but man he was like it was amazing just he was so loved <laughs> and again just the outpouring of like support and just people expressing how much they loved him and how affected they were by him um was really really incredible you know this one little quirky guy <laughs> you know he he changed the lives of so many people and we had a memorial service here just for um you know, like close volunteers mm -hmm. and um, friends. And to hear everybody talk about Stan was really, really amazing. So, I mean, literally he, he changed the lives of people, you know, so. Um, and that's something too, I think, when you start thinking about, he, you know, when we said this, and this is gonna get into the media thing, but, you know, when we said like, he was so special and yet he wasn't, right he is just like all these other goats you just had the opportunity to meet him and get to know him right and there are millions of goats just like stanley he's he was he was bred to be slaughtered to be eaten he was a quote unquote meat goat and we drive past hundreds of them every every day we just drove past a farm with all these stanleys out in the field and it's that's it's heartbreaking, you know, but I think that really gets people, you know, when they, when they meet him and they see his personality and they see how like funny <laughs> and he was so funny and he was like naughty, <laughs> you know, and, um, 
but he was also so sweet and he loved to be the center of attention. He had so much personality, you know, but he's not, he wasn't an anomaly, right? right? They all have so much personality if they're given a chance to show that. So, um, you know, it's so important to make sure people know that, you know, and to share that message with people. So, Absolutely. yeah. So that's what we try to do, you know, with our social media is, is, is talk about that. Yeah. And, well, I love how you do it. It really comes across. And I, I like that you don't just do one or two. It's, it's all the time. And it's really yeah. rich. It's the richness. It's just, it's, it's so multi-layered and it really is very, very um, effective and, and soulful. It really, really is. Thank you. And I just have to shout out to Sarah. I guess that was one of your master's degrees. Was mm -hmm. it? Well, because I feel like um, Sarah is so good at that. She, you have worked. Um, you're so good. You're at so it. so good. If left to my own devices, our posts would just be like a lot of hearts and like everything. Like, you know, I, I get so excited about something sweet or good. And then Sarah's like, well, let's tell, let's just suss that out a little bit so that our messages can be as close to reality. And I think I have to applaud you on that. Yeah. That the, the richness, like Sarah really holds us to be um, frank and honest and open with every, as much as possible, yeah. as, as much as is appropriate for posts. Right. Well, this has, um, so far, it's, it's been emotional podcast talking. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, I have to ask, this wasn't on my lineup of questions, but I think this is also really important. Um, and it's not exclusively to people working in sanctuaries, but because you don't have a day off, I do want to ask about like mental and emotional health and caretaking. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of heartache. And I'm not, I mean, no, your life is also full of joy, you know, but also the heartaches of different, different um, times of life for the animals. So, I mean, I think yoga probably is really, really essential in both of your lives, but are there other, are there other strategies you have you know, for, for staying whole and, and, you know, keeping the heart in it. I think, I mean, exercise is really crucial for both of us in general. So um, yoga is good, but I think we both also really need cardio exercise <laughs> to like ground ourselves. So, um, right. and that, you know, to be honest for, about a year and a half that was seldom happening and I think it was really I mean that's one of the things where I felt like I had to leave my job because I was never getting time to exercise and I felt like I was on the verge of just like having a nervous breakdown so now that we've been um, now that I left my job and it gives us both a little more time um, it's that's been really great um, and then you know we both have like little rituals like we you know, a daily, like I always read it, some kind of a daily reading in the morning, you know, like something um, that's inspiring or thought provoking to me. And then, you know, like our unique, for me, like our unique spiritual practices, whatever those may be, like prayer, meditation, um, things like that. And I think as definitely as a couple, this can be very, very stressful. Um, and so just trying to be patient and, you know, um, like be honest. And if things are getting tense to just like take a break and, um, you know, be forgiving and, um, but yeah, I mean, podcasts are helpful. I'm listening to like this 
podcast about Mr. Rogers <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's called Finding Fred, and it's so inspiring to me. I mean, he was he was so calm and he was so loving and he was so compassionate. And, you know, it's, it's like turning towards, towards people like that and, and, you know, knowing that they, they existed in this world and just trying to kind of emulate that. Um, I can be kind of like a hothead and I'm energetic, you know, so, um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, um, that's helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Like having mm-hmm. some role models and reminders. So, um, all that kind of stuff. Time with friends, you know, here and there. So, and of course, just like, I mean, being able to sit out with one of the residents for, especially in the evening when everybody's gone and things have quieted down, maybe sit in the goat barn for 20 minutes and just talk to them and pet them. That's, I mean, that's so soothing and wonderful too and they love it you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's really mutually beneficial it's great so Mm -hmm. yeah all that I would say (laughs) yeah I really um I have a little bit of like eco-anxiety or a little bit of like sometimes that like empathy gone wild and so for me the process of actually finding somewhere to channel like I want to be of help I want to be of service it was just a strong drive in me and this work actually grounds me in that it's something I can do with it. Mm-hmm. Like, otherwise I would just be very stressed or concerned or dissociate or something less healthy in my view than conscious choice action that may be of service to be part of a solution. Even if it's not, you know, there's no guarantee that this is gonna work. You know, we're, we're striving for a radical change um, in so many ways, but even if it's just one day at a time that we did what we could today to be of a part of the change we want to see like to me that is grounding mentally um otherwise it could just be like never quite good enough to be making any waves at all no i understand that yeah and i could see how sanctuary work in itself can be can be like the cure for as you said empathy gone well i feel like i have a bit of that too and i think a lot of people are feeling you might enjoy watching the news but feeling constantly just overwhelmed and how do you process all of this what can i do um, in my community, what, you know, and so I, I love that, you know, the idea that sanctuary work itself can be grounding and can be the cure. Yeah. 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 So you have, um, also I wanted to ask about volunteers. You have, you have a solid core group or it's like rotating locals who come to help out. We have, I would say a solid core group definitely at this point in time. Um, So we have people come every afternoon around noon and every evening, you know, depending on the season, but, you know, for dinnertime feedings. And and usually it's like two to four people each shift. Um, And at that, at at this point, it's pretty much the the same people, you know, and they they love coming and they look forward to it. Um, It's so funny and really sweet. And it was really touching to me. one of our volunteers that came last night, she said when she woke up yesterday morning, her husband said, do you know what day it is today? And she was like, I was thinking like, is it our anniversary? Like, <laughs> did I forget something? And she, she said, I don't, I don't know. What is it? And he said, it's the day you get to go meet Moksha, you know? Oh <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and he said to her, and you're probably going to do this every week for the next 20 years. <laughs> You'll get to go visit Moksha. And I just thought that was like 
the sweetest, best thing that I had heard, you know, yeah. to know that they were talking about that. He was excited for her, you know, and, um, and just that comment about like coming <laughs> for the next 20 years, coming <laughs> once a week, you know, to watch Moksha grow. So, um, and we have another volunteer and she is, um, just took vacation. And she said, uh, last week she told me like, yeah, we're going to be gone the next two weeks. We're going on this vacation. <laughs> and she was like excited. And she said, but you know, like, I really like, I'm going to miss everybody so bad. And she was really being sincere, you know, mm. that, like they love them, you know, they love the residents here and they're always all posting pictures and talking about them. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's just like, it's the best. So to have that core group and, um, you know, of, of their volunteers, but they're also, you know, they support us like financially, they, they buy things for the residents, they donate their time. Mm -hmm. When we had to go get Moksha was kind of, that all came together quickly. And one of the volunteers said, hey, I'll go to Tractor Supply and I'll get this, this, and this, like things we need to get her area set up, you know, and it's, it's just great that we have all of that. Um, it's necessary, I think, because otherwise I feel like you'd kind of be half-assing things if you didn't have, um, you know, we can't pay for staff, but at least we have these people that we really know and trust. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, we know and trust them so much, like the bathroom's in our home. Right. So they come and go from our house like that's that's, you know, I think that's so awesome. And we we see them as family like this is a family here. They so, are amazing. They're the yeah. best. You know, some of them drive over, I think, an hour. Some of them come um, from across a state boundary. Um, yeah. They spend their gas money. You know, we I just marvel at people who use their one day off a week and I see what they choose to do. It's not it's not glorious. They get to hang out with some of the best beings around, but they're shoveling poop. It's in their hair when they leave. Um, and I want to say also another model for those listening who are interested in starting a sanctuary, if you had a large enough farm and had, you know, a caretaker house, that is a model that you see a lot, but then you have turnover or you have there's dynamics with that. Um, so that's maybe someday the next property, maybe we'd have a few tiny houses and some people who stay and do more, you know, round the clock care to give us backup. That's the growth, mm -hmm. part of the growth plan for sustainability. But this crew we have now, they're just incredible. That's really, that's, that's, that's really incredible to hear. That's exciting. Um, the last question I had was about media, which you're both also, I mean, you, you're co-founders, I understand, and you do everything together, but the media too is something that's very much um, both of you producing. And as I've said multiple times through this talk, uh, I'm, I'm consistently floored by your media, not just the pictures and how much um, the love and caretaking comes through, but, but also the captions and the writing. I mean, I think early on, shortly after I met you both online, I was asking about your book, yeah. <laughs> will there be a book please yeah. helps I would love to just you know I see I love to read and so when I when I follow accounts that the captions are just so rich of course I think well I, I look forward to a book I love the media you create with the sayings you know they're so dense they're like one-liners that 
pack so much into them, right? And then, and then also the, of course, all the LFS, like uh, Lancaster Farm Sanctuary um, posts and media, all of it, the whole shebang. So, um, yeah, if you want to share a little bit about maybe how your backgrounds and then how you view these channels for stimulating awareness and provoking thought. I appreciate that so much, Annika. The, so the Lancaster Farm Sanctuary Media, that is where I was saying Sarah keeps that so uh, real and sort of uh, a journal and an account and uh, platform for our animal advocacy. Those pithy one-liners, the, you know, putting words on an image, that's my passion. I love that so much. That's my, my thing. And it's funny that you described it. It's exactly what I try to do. I try to find the most concentrated, like the pith, like the core mm -hmm. of issues. And there's, they're just spinning in my head all the time. It, to me, it's almost like a release that like, it's gotta come out. This is something I wanna say. Even if 20 people are the only ones that see it, I have to say it exactly. <laughs> in this way. It's like coming together in my head. Um, and so I, I, I knew you were gonna ask about it. And I tried to think like, what am I trying to do with those? And it's very much based on my yoga um, experiences and trainings um, that I understand each human to have in their core, um, you know, Atman or God or divine consciousness that each human in our, in our core essence were good, or at least we're neutral. And that we have all these layers of confusion and cultural conditioning and, and the ignorance and the, the things that happen happen to us through our life and that they're like veils of illusion, right? You know, the, the veils of separateness can be peeled away. So when I make those uh, posts, I try to speak to the part in the other humans that would understand our interconnectedness. And I try not to speak to the part of us that is oppositional or hateful or, or you know. So anyway, so I try to speak to the good, you know, I try to speak to the good that I know is in everyone. and. Um, one of my uh, heroes in the movement says, let's be pro-farmer, but anti-cruelty. So I appreciate that about your work too. Your, your platform is to, you use your platform to give a greater voice to farmers who are working to grow food without animal exploitation. I want to applaud you for that. And I want to do the same thing in, in one sentence. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm, always, I'm always trying to say like, this isn't like, there's not like a bad guy perpetrator. I don't even think of animal agriculture as the perpetrator. I love looking historically, um, the World Peace Diet by Dr. Tuttle helped me to do this. You can look 10,000 years ago and see the origin of otherism, the herding mentality. When humans, when Homo sapiens switched from hunting, gathering, foraging, plant agriculture, and then humans started to own and dominate and exploit and um, things switched thousands of years ago. So now here we are today just being handed this um, internal model of the world. It doesn't help us to come at people and say, dairy farmers are the problem, because they're not. They were, they were born into the same oppressive system. So yeah. uh, to get long story short, I try to speak to the, you know, the, the perpetrator to me is just as much a victim as the victim. And then the bystanders, so many of us are just like, kind of not aware. And so we're bystanders in this, like we're locked in this like conflict with nature, with animals and with ourselves, and we're all suffering. Mm -hmm. And so I look at it as not like, oh, let's come down heavy on factory farm owners. Cause again, I just see them as victims too. I know it doesn't mean we're not all held to responsibility for our actions when they cause harm, but just 
how we approach that conflict. And I think the way out is to be as supportive as each other and the good that's in all of us as possible. That's really helpful. You should have a lecture on that. That was good for you here. That can be a very hard, hard um, lesson to really assimilate when you're in yep. this realm, you know? So that's, that's a really fantastic point and very, very grounding also and, and humbling. Thank you. Uh, I have to say too, I might have a little hero worship, but my grandfather, he was amazing. And he reminded me of Mr. Rogers for the record, I know. But um, he always said, that everyone is doing the best they can given what they understand. Right. And like, if you really let that, it will change your life. Oh, she needs the hugs. <laughs> I understand that. I absolutely do. And it's, it's good to remind each other because I know I forget that message. Um, and so that's a really good reminder. And seeing, I have to mention, I'm seeing some really fascinating things happen with programs also helping farmers shift to, I've seen you guys post on it too, shift to uh, different models. I mean, it's really amazing. And I think those models also take into account the good in other people and helping each other, helping shift to a business model that will be sustainable and, and also feel right, you know, that, um, people are happy to be doing and the, the outpour of then recognition and, and excitement they get for their new business model and so forth. Um, but yeah, maybe we could sh shift to that's, well, it's all LFS media basically because you're all producing it, but the LFS channels too. I mean, again, back to this thing, Sarah, that you, the, the word you used a few times, transformative. I mean, I really feel like you guys, the media is such a transformative part of what you're doing as well. I know so much of the work, it's really on the ground. And yeah. it's, it's a lot of, it's poop and, and animals. And <laughs> really like it's physical work, but the media is just such an extraordinary part of what you do. And this yeah. is how I know about you. This is why I'm calling from, you know, having this podcast here from Sweden. So um, it's it, it would be fun to hear about what more plans you might have with that and how you're yeah. using media in the future. Any, any, book plans or anything like that <laughs> I mean we talk about this you know I think right now just getting realistic we need to um, figure out a schedule and a time and really get like a regular um, you know whether it's a blog or a newsletter something where we we have a running list of of like articles that we want to write so i think that's the first place for us to start because we you know we sh we we put up these shortened versions on social media but to be able to expand upon um a lot of the stuff that we are constantly talking about and thinking about anyway so it's just a matter of like finding the time to sit down um, and write something. And that, that is going to happen sooner uh, rather than later. Um, but it is so important to us. Um, and it gets tricky sometimes because the sanctuary in a sense is, um, it's a business sort of, right? And so, um, we know what works to make us popular on social media, um, but that is not our interest, right? So we know that, and, and we're not, 
I just want to really like explain that we're not talking about or judging anything that anybody else does. That's fine. That that's their business, right? So just for us, we are not um, interested in, you know, we had all these really, really adorable baby goats, you know, we could have put them in pajamas and brought them in our house and, you know, took all these pictures and film stuff and we would have probably been in, you know, huge sensation on, on social media, but that's um, not our, that's not our objective, I guess. So we want followers and we want people to see what we're doing. Um, but what's really important is um, kind of bringing people in, but then also giving them a little bit of a challenge, you know, at the same time. So we can, we can talk about moksha being so cute, but then we're also going to talk about, you know, why moksha's in our barn in the first place and, you know, and kind of challenge people on, on you know, or, or educate them about the dairy industry and, and um, how things happen like that. And so um, I think that there's a balance there, right? There really is a balance. So you can go on a tirade about how awful people are and why do they do this to animals? That's not where we're at either. So it's like being loving and understanding, right? But also relaying um, real information, um, not using the animal as an object for entertainment, which is kind of what we see like, you know, a lot of this like cute, you know, animals in little settings with whatever, fine, again, that, that other people do that. But, but uh, you know, we're, we're, we know we have a very clear picture and it's great because we're really both on the same page about that, you know, with, with what we're doing and, and what's important. So, um, yeah, and it's, you know, it's been fun, but it's like just endless, you know, the ideas about we could talk about this, we could talk about this, right? So we need to, we need to spend some time writing. I know that, <laughs> you know. Give us a well, deadline, Alex. You're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I do understand the authenticity piece very much. And I like being challenged by your media. I like, I like the fact that you'll do that. I appreciate that. And also the authenticity is clear. It's undeniable. Um, and the newsletter sounds very fun. You have a great logo. Yeah. See it right there, the newsletter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. But uh, yeah, with with how um, how much free time I'm sure you have, right? you got to yeah. squeeze writing in there. But you're you're both wonderful writers, so yeah, that will be exciting to see more yeah. of that. Um, yeah. The newsletter really does sound like a neat idea. I think, yeah. I think many of us would enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so uh, we're wrapping it up almost at an hour here. Is there anything else you want to share? You have the gala, of course, I'll put in the notes, links to everything. And then you have the April 17th gala coming up, which I'm yeah. sure you'll start posting about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully today or tomorrow. So. Right. Um, yeah, just, I mean, anything you want to say? Gosh. Yeah, this is such a wonderful opportunity to speak with you. We appreciate your work and you so much. And um, was so excited when we found you uh, through social media and what you were doing. And I do, I like to think of it as a movement. That word uh, really speaks to me and that it feels like we're all part of this movement no matter where we are in the world. And so to your listeners and to you, just thank you and yeah. so happy to be here with yeah. you. Yeah, that's so important, I think, right? This power of our, you know, connections and we, we do this together, we can be so effective and I just read, um, you know, there was 
that talk with the Joaquin Phoenix um, speech, which was so amazing. And then some um, woman had like challenged him on that. And um, I read a, a rebuttal by Christopher yeah, yeah. Sebastian. Um, mm -hmm. And it was so beautiful, you know, what Christopher Sebastian said about, um, you know, actually th that it is so important to understand the interconnectedness of, of oppression and how it functions and how it, uh, affects all of us and and that there's power you know like when we're cut off from each other we don't have as much power to enact change you know and so like this is so cool <laughs> right that we're talking to you and you're so far away and um and uh you know but we're we're doing this together right with so many other people on and that's encouraging i also just want to give our dog a round of applause <laughs> because i cannot believe she has been quiet <laughs> so she's just laying right here at our feet being as unprecedented good behavior that's not normal well, give, no. give her a nuzzle for me and you'll have to give moksha a nuzzle for me and hello yeah, yeah. Totally. everybody there really yeah. awesome. thank you so much see thank you when you come to pennsylvania yeah like next week <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna hang out with moksha yeah but um, i know i would fall in love with with everybody there and you have um really an incredible mission that you've been sharing with the world so thank you for sharing it too and it, it could be easy to be like oh i don't have time to produce all the media but you know you, you maybe you do have an idea i don't know but the moments you catch people in life literally you know i'll be running to catch my kids from school and see something you posted and there i am on the sidewalk crying <laughs> no, no. but really like like very very um again humbled and inspired and thinking wow you know um just incredible what people are doing and and how we can be inspired from from so far away yeah thank you again thank you. so much thank you yeah, we look forward to whatever further collaborations may yeah. come up for. Absolutely. And I look forward to your newsletter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I will see you soon. And um, thank you very much for yeah. this talk. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Pacific Roots Magazine podcast. Visit us online at pacificrootsmagazine.com.